Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. On today's California Report magazine, a Father's Day tribute to dads. Listeners from across the state tell us about the sounds that remind them of their fathers. The sound that reminds me most of my father is the sound of mechanical clocks. And not uh, not just one of them, the tick-tock, but uh, hundreds of them. But first, a daughter rediscovers letters from the dad who missed most of her childhood in San Diego because he was in prison. I can still remember you jumping saying... Look, Daddy, look at me. I'm so tired, Princess, of wasting precious time away from you in places like this. I'm Sasha Koga, and it's the California Report magazine. Your state, your stories. We're going to start our show today with one of my favorite Father's Day stories. It's one that we first brought you last year, but it's so powerful. We wanted to play it for you again. It's about a dad who spent years shuttling in and out of jail and prison while his daughter, Melissa Duenas, was growing up. She's from San Diego, and she kept in touch with her dad by writing snail mail letters, and he would write back. She's 32 now, and she recently dug up those letters again. She says sorting through them has helped her revisit both her deep love for her dad and her lingering anger. Just a note that all the letters in this story, both from Melissa as a kid and from her dad, will be read by voice actors. And a warning, this story includes some disturbing themes. The year is 1993, and me and my family are at Disneyland on a sticky summer day. I'm a giggly five-year-old. My mom's holding my sister, a wide-eyed newborn. And then there's my brother, who's trying to play it cool because he's 13. Go over there, miss. Missy! That's my dad. His name is Ben. He's our unofficial family cameraman. And Missy is my family nickname. I'm trying to get an autograph from one of the Disney characters. Hey, Pat, who's this guy? Jabbar. Uh, who? Jabbar? Jabbar? <laughs> Babar? My dad is wearing his usual. Dickie's pants and a white sleeveless undershirt. With all his prison tattoos in sight, I'm sure he looked intimidating. But this is who he really was. A wisecracking jokester that I had a blind love for. I hope you're not writing my daughter a love note. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Let's see what it says. (laughs) I can't get it. Okay, all right. Ever since I was little, I remember my dad being locked up. He went in and out for different violations, like robbery, possession of weapons, drugs. When he was away, I wrote him constantly. March 1999. 
Do you like my card? I'm really supposed to be asleep right now because it's Sunday night, but I'm making this card for you. So, do you feel different now that you're the big 39? I hope they were extra nice to you because it was your B-Day. Well, happy birthday. March 1999. I got your letters, my birthday card, and pictures. Thank you very much for taking the time to write me. You look so beautiful in those pictures. It brought tears to my eyes just remembering those good times we had. Let's open it up. Let's see what's in here. I didn't look in your thing yet either. No? No. That's my little sister, Lily. She empties a manila envelope of letters onto the couch and picks up an old piece of black construction paper. Oh, it was Father's Day in school, so I, I made him a tie. I kind of get sad because like everyone was like, I'm going to go home and give this to my dad. And I would see the other kids giving the ties to their dad mm. after school. And then I had to send mine in the mail. We continue sifting through the small pile, looking at the faded yellow paper with my dad's immaculate handwriting, envelopes with stamps of angels and ballerinas, cards with Minnie Mouse and Winnie the Pooh. Well, right now I've been going through this thing where I'm kind of angry at him. He, his whole life was just this like half evil, half good person. And I feel like I want to cry, but I can't because I'm too prideful, because I'm like, why am I going to cry over somebody who didn't cry over me? But do you know it? Do you know that? I know he cried over me, because I see all these letters. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like maybe it affected me, like I felt like I wasn't worth it. It's my first year of high school. I'm going to football games, hanging out with my friends, having crushes, doing well in school. On the outside, I seem fine. But inside... December, 2001. I don't even know you, Dad. It's hard for me to tell if you're on drugs or coming down from them, or if this is actually my dad without drugs. I love you so much. And no matter what, I'm going to love you. But it's hard for me to just watch you hurt yourself, your life, your health, and your future. December 2001. I'm tired of living like I've been living, and you're right. I do need to change. I really don't mean to hurt you or make you sad intentionally, and I'm sorry that I have. I'm very sorry, princess, and I hope that you can forgive me. I do love you very much, and the last thing I want to do is hurt you. My dad's habitual incarceration began when he was 13. He went to youth authority for robbing liquor stores at gunpoint. YA is the juvenile version of prison. Not right now, Mom. Can you close that door, Mom? So we don't get into that one. That's my older brother. His name is also Ben. We sit in my mom's dining room, exchanging silly glances and nervous laughter as I get ready to record our interview. And so once he went to YA, he became corrupted, indoctrinated into the, the gang culture. My brother grew up immersed in gang culture as well. His friends, our cousins, our neighbors, 
even the people at her church, all had gang affiliations. At first, my dad tried to keep him away from this lifestyle. First of all, I was already going the wrong way at 13, you know, running with gangs, doing drugs, blah, blah, blah. And so this gang uh, program came around offering free boxing, you know, to kids at risk. But he forced me kind of almost to be in boxing. He was there at boxing practice. When we'll go out of town, he was there. He was almost like your regular dad. When my brother was 22, their relationship changed. They started to roll the streets and even use drugs together. The first time was that weird, and I'm kind of giving vague memories. I'm sure it kind of felt at least halfway funny, like smoking, not weed or drinking a beer, but like smoking crystal with your dad. That's weird, you know? So yeah, but once we got off that first time or second time, I'm sure it wasn't, it was nothing, you know, definitely wasn't weird. But like, when was it clear that he had an addiction? For not having a job, he always had a place to stay, you know, because he always did what he got to do. But yeah, I don't, I remember he was about... I guess 44, and then he was uh, sleeping in a car with his new wife, Laura. But uh, he said, you know, I'm tired of going to prison. I'm tired of going to prison. I hate prison. I hate the way it smells. I hate the way it looks. I hate the people that are in there. I hate everything about it. But I just made the assumption that uh, he would rather be homeless on the streets, dirty and stinky, than in prison. It's my last year of high school, and I decide to go live with my grandmother. I need to get away from my family. My brother's meth paranoia scares me, and my mom won't stop nagging me about God. September, 2004. Sometimes I think I'm okay, and I'm used to you not being around. And then there's times where I'll just start crying because it catches up to me, and it hits me that I do miss you very much. I just keep trying to hold it in and be strong. No matter how many times you go to jail, it hurts me every time. August 2004. There's this one time I remember so clearly. It was the time we went to Disneyland. I can still remember you jumping saying, Look, Daddy, look at me. I'm smiling as I write this down, but at the same time, my eyes are tearing up. I'm so tired, Princess, of wasting precious time away from you in places like this. But this is it. This is my last time. I'm not giving any more of my life to this system. I visited my dad a few times when he was locked up in Donovan. It was close to where we lived in San Diego. Other times he was in prison up north, so it was too far for us to go. My mom says my dad never liked us visiting him anyways. He didn't want us to see him like that. But if I tell you that I'm, I'm not the one to talk about it, respect that. That's my mom, Patricia. We sit closely at a table, but her gaze is distant. Well, I might ask you why you don't want to talk about it. And I might say, I just don't feel like it. Or that it's none of your business? Well, I'm asking you because it, it has affected everybody. You're asking me, you know, when did you know that your dad, you know, was, you know, having a problem and things like that. It's like, you know, not only did your dad have problems, I had problems too. My mom and dad had known each other since they were 16. 
Both of them had been abused by their families. And those kind of things connected us and tied us together. And so he would come over sometimes hurt because he got beat up by his dad. I remember I remember a lot of rainy nights that he would come pick me up. And so he always knew that I liked a 7-Up and a beef jerky. And so he would bring me a 7-Up and a beef jerky. And we would just cruise around. I think sometimes I probably even had my pajamas on. In what ways do you think that dad was a good husband and a good father, if at all? He was a good father because he liked spending time with his kids. He loved to go and hear about your report card, if they were going to be in a play, if they were going to be in a choir. He wanted to be there. Uh, when it came to being a good husband, that was a lot more difficult for him. When my parents were married, my dad physically abused my mom, some of which I witnessed. But mostly, I remember crying in the closet with my sister. My parents divorced when I was 10 years old, and I never questioned why. You know, he would tell me that he didn't want to be that angry person. And so I think to um, capture that angry person, he would use drugs to sedate himself. And maybe that's what he, the only thing he thought could control his anger. My mom says heroin mellowed my dad out. But when he started using meth, he became even more violent. She decided to leave him after that. He continued to use both after they separated. I know that he still loved his kids, but he just wasn't, just something was missing. It almost seemed like his soul was completely um, swallowed up by the drugs. I don't know if he realized it too, but in a lot of his later years pictures, he wasn't smiling anymore. He had a sad look on his face. How would you explain that? Like, what is what is that essence in him that was drowned? His gentle, quiet spirit that he had when he was sober and clean. And, and after you guys were divorced, did you ever see that again? I think the last time I seen that was when he was in his casket. October 2007. Missy, if I haven't already, I would like to say I'm sorry for hurting you in the past. I hope that one day you'll be able to find it in your heart to forgive me so that we'll be able to get back to a normal relationship with one another. Listen, Melissa, I'm your daddy, and I love you. Nothing will ever change that. It would be nice to hear from you, but if for some reason you don't have time to write back, I understand. He sent this letter to me for my 20th birthday, but I never did write him back. I didn't want to have anything to do with him. Two months later, he died. Only a day after he was released from prison. He had a heart attack from doing both meth and heroin. The people he was with dragged his dying body to a nearby alley, left for dead like a stray dog. A man saw what happened and called an ambulance. And at 9.55 p.m., alone in the hospital, my dad was pronounced dead. 
He was 47. Even though it's been almost 12 years since his death, that same old confusing mix of anger and sadness started to resurface. But in the process of doing this story, I discovered a message from my dad, a treasure in my archive of letters, one I don't remember. September 2004. After I started reading your letter, I started to cry. Even my celly tripped out on me. I told him that the only people in this world that can write a letter to me and touch me in such a special way that'll make me cry are my two daughters and my mother. Thank you for being you, Princess, and that very sweet, special person that God bless you to be. I'm so proud and blessed to have you for my daughter. You write and express yourself very well and also speak well. Have you ever thought of being a writer or some sort of journalist or something? I read this alone in my room, laughing and crying all at once, because my dad didn't just love me. He knew my path, even before I did. And yes, I'm still mad at him, but that's okay. I've accepted the fact that making peace with him, his life, his choices, is a constant process one I may never fully understand. My dad wasn't all good, but he wasn't all bad either. And I still love him all the same. I'm gonna go back inside now. Say bye, Missy. For the California Report, I'm Melissa Duenas. Melissa Duenas produced that piece as part of an advanced radio class at the USC Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism in Los Angeles. Mark Nieto composed the original music. Father's Day, some of you, our listeners, called in and told us about the sounds that remind you of your dad. Hi, my name is Giacomo Fiore. I'm calling from San Francisco. Uh, The distinctive sound that reminds me of my dad is the sound of a spoon hitting the side of a little espresso cup. Because that's how he used to wake me up when I was in high school. And he used to make me a little cup of espresso you know, a teaspoon of sugar in it, and swirl it very noisily as he walked all the way from the kitchen to my room, and I would hear that ding, 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 noisy. It just embodies how annoying my father could be, but also how caring and how he would do things for me and my mom and others. Hi, this is Carolyn Day Flowers. The sound that remind me of my father is the sound of an electric carving knife. Every year at Thanksgiving, my father would use the electric carving knife to carve the turkey. Apparently, in 1961, when my parents were married, electric carving knives were the cool gadget that everybody was giving each other for wedding presents. Hi, I'm Steve Ogden from Placerville, California, 
And without a doubt, the sound that reminds me most of my father is the sound of mechanical clocks. And not uh, not just one of them, the tick-tock, but uh, hundreds of them. My father was an Air Force pilot, and whenever he would come back from overseas, he would have at least a, a couple of broken antique clocks that he picked up at a junk sale. And he got really good at fixing them. And it was generally just a cacophony, but now hearing even one clock, it brings you back to that garage and the time that we would spend tinkering on projects and, and fixing clocks, sometimes just listening to the sound of the time itself. My name is Idris Kufani Beloche. I'm a performing artist in San Francisco. And... The sound that reminds me most of my father is an album that he made that we discovered after he died. It's called The Piano Stylings of Trenton Cooper. And whenever I really, really miss him, I throw that on and listen to all the songs he wrote for my mother and that I grew up and went to bed every night listening to. I think the world of you Thanks to all of you who called in to share the sounds of your fathers or your grandfathers. We couldn't fit everybody's in the show, but you can hear them at CaliforniaReport.org. Another tribute from a daughter to her dad, Gaspar Gomez immigrated from Mexico City when he was 16. He lived in the San Fernando Valley, and he worked as a day laborer in construction for most of his life. On May 3rd, he died of COVID-19. He was 51 years old. His daughter, Lucia Gomez, says they had a difficult relationship, and the last few weeks of his life were painful. But she says they've always had a special connection. She says banda music was a big part of her dad's life. He loved listening to El Pavido Navido by Chalino Sanchez. He loved dancing, and I did too. So we would go to this uh, place. It's called La Perla. It's not there anymore, but when it was there, we would, you know, love to go dance there. And him and I would just, you know, have dinner and have our dance and just, you know, we love to be happy. My parents split up when I was about eight years old. And unfortunately, my mother took us away from him and we moved far away to the Fresno area. And I feel like that really hurt my dad because he really loves his family. He really was a family guy, you know, and to not have his family, it made him get into a worse path in his life. And, you know, he looked into drugs and he, he, you know, went in and out of jail for a few years because he just was so lost. I always try to stay by his side and make sure that he tried to follow his, his path and, and better his life. I spent so many years trying to make that happen and it just wouldn't. Him and I stopped talking for about two or three years. I can I started to hear that, you know, from our family and our friends that he was doing better and that he is trying to change his path and and that he had met someone. 
thankfully, um, Elba, his wife, really, really helped him to be my dad again. Elba called me one day and said, look, Lucy, your dad really has changed. Give him another chance, you know, and you'll see, you know, that he is doing a lot better and, and maybe you guys can bond again. We um, agreed with Elba to meet with my dad and me and my husband met with them at a Denny's and I saw my dad again, you know, I saw who he's always been, a happy soul, loving towards his family. About two years ago, more or less, he had a little party for his stepdaughter. He had a little uh, quinceanera for her, and thankfully we got to dance once again. And who would have known that that was going to be the last time we were going to get to dance? But I'm very grateful that we did, and thankfully we have a video of it. You know, when I get sad or when I think of anything sad about him being not being here, I look at that video and it just brings me back to reality that at least even though our life was tough, most of our life always had a bond with each other. Before he passed away, he understood that I never held a grudge on him and that I forgave him for anything that I felt he did wrong to us in our life. And he left with that peace of mind. Even though he is gone, I know he will always be in our hearts. Um, so happy Father's Day, Dad. And until we meet again. That was Lucia Gomez with a tribute to her father, Gaspar Gomez, from Pacoima. He died from COVID-19 last month. Ariella Markowitz produced this story. Today, we've been paying tribute to some dads who are no longer with us, but we also want to take a moment to celebrate the dads-to-be. Hi, this is Devin Katayama. I am a host for a podcast at KQED called The Bay, and I'm going to be a new dad starting around mid-August. And we're just so excited to, to have our first kid. I keep telling my colleague Devin that he has no idea how much his life is going to change once he becomes a dad. He says he's prepared because he's had a lot of time during shelter-in-place to set up the baby's room and think about what it means to bring a child into this world right now. I start to get really emotional when I think about all the things I would say to my baby if they were here because there's just so much going on in the world, and a lot of it's really heavy. And I don't know how I'm going to translate how I feel to my kid. I kind of see my child as somebody who I could really open up to in a way I might not be able to open up to anybody else, especially right now with everything that's happening in the world. Sometimes it's hard to talk with people about it. But when you come, little one, I'm going to have a lot to share with you. So, I'm really excited. I feel prepared. But I also hear that you're never really prepared. So I'm leaving some room to be surprised. Yep, 
parenthood is full of surprises. So here's to all the dads out there holding it down in this crazy time and being there for your kids. And that's the California Report magazine for this week. We're a production of KQED Public Radio in San Francisco. Our technical producers are Rob Spate and Seal Muller. Our senior editor is Victoria Maleon. Our director is Amanda Font. Special thanks this week to Sandy Tolan and Roxandra Guidi. Our team also includes Susie Racho and Ariella Markowitz. I'm Sasha Coca. Happy Father's Day. This is the California Report magazine. Your state, your stories. Support for the California Report comes from Earth Justice, a national nonprofit law organization fighting for the right to a healthy environment. Earth Justice, because the Earth needs a good lawyer. The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing, through science, the interdependence of all living systems. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.